What is up, everybody? Welcome back to DFS MVP, the eighth season, episode 219. We are back with the DraftKings first look. DraftKings dropped salary uh, last week. As you guys know, if you listened before, I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. But uh, as to not bury the lead, the most important story of the offseason, we have a new co-host at DFS MVP, Mr. John Daigle. Uh, if you are uh, have been living under a rock or you are new to uh, the NFL or fantasy landscape and you don't know who John Daigle is, uh, Daigle, tell the listeners uh, a little bit about your background, uh, both football, uh, fantasy, DFS. A lot. Uh, I, <laughs> I pause because I don't even know where would I even begin <laughs> with my life story and how I got here. But to womb. keep it simple, to keep it simple, uh, while well, I was adopted, let's start there, or, or Texas. But no, to keep it simple for everyone, came from NBC Sports Edge, still very good friends with everyone over there. But nonetheless, we have started a new chapter, and here we are at 444 Football. Eight seasons is strong, and I am taking this job with you this season so seriously that for the first time in literally years, I looked at week one pricing before uh, 48 hours prior to week one, yeah. because I don't like admittedly to create biases this early. I don't want to be stuck on someone and have that opinion sneak up on me, but this is good because that means we get to do it on behalf of everyone. Uh, I'm not even saying everyone should go look at all the rest of week one pricing. They should look at your article on the site. They should listen to this podcast as we try to get ready for game theory and get back in the mindset of what last year we discovered became the hardest year ever for DFS. But more importantly, I think, in my opinion, legitimately the most fun because it was two games within a game. Uh, and it took being locked in all week long. And that's what we're going to be this year. I'm even taking on, not announced yet, I guess I'll say it, uh, I'm taking on our DraftKings Top Plays article, which I will be looking at both from a cash game but more importantly, tournament perspective. And we'll talk about what kinds of tournaments we prefer playing and what everyone else should play at the end of the show. And then also we'll have someone else take on FanDuel and we'll discuss plays throughout the week. So, yeah, we're already just getting to the mindset here at 4 for 4. Yeah, man, it's it's exciting. And I mean, admittedly, the the first look shows the first look article. Um, we're building excitement for the DFS season, like our opinions will and should change leading up to week one. And there's just still a ton of information to learn. We haven't even had our first preseason game yet. Uh, but as you mentioned, the reason we start this podcast so early in the year, which I mean, it's not early to us. We've been doing NFL since uh, we, we never stop. But uh, this is pretty early for DFS. And because if you are new to DFS MVP, the thing that has always separated us from other podcasts is we're not just giving you a list of plays. Uh, we're diving into theory. Um, we're trying to teach you how to play, not who to play. Uh, so every single week, uh, in the preseason, we'll be covering a, a general theory segment, whether it be bankroll management, um, game selection, lineup building, and, and it's topics that we have covered in the past on this show. Um, so if you if you are new or you want to get caught up on some of it, either check out our YouTube playlist that has a, a bunch of theory segments uh, from years past or go to the DFS Strategy Hub um, and check that out. Uh, but but we're, we're excited to get the season started. Um, 
pretty soon we will have a full list of the official in-season plans, as John alluded to. Um, but we're still uh, still hammering out some things there. Before we get into the first look today, just want to remind everybody that today's show is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. You can get a free DFS subscription if you deposit at least $10 at Underdog Fantasy using the promo code 4 for 4 You also get a deposit bonus match up to $100. You must be a new underdog user so click on that link in the description below the video um but let's jump into it again we're just going to look at this really quickly uh kind of do a a faux um uh dfs mvp podcast where we go position by position but just kind of look at what caught our eye again this isn't these aren't our our uh our cemented in picks or anything uh but uh what jumped out actually before we get into the positions um just, just anything jump out to you in general looking at DraftKings, I, I didn't see anything change like the the salary ceilings and floors look almost identical to last year um if nothing jumps out to you is there anything you do different for week one dfs compared to the other weeks not really. Pricing is terrible. It's awful. Uh, it's going to lead to the same chalky plays. I feel like this was the case in week one last year. I tried to jot down the journal, like the story of every single week. And last year, what it was, as will be the case th this year again, is just pivoting to similarly like price players in yeah. Kadarius Tony's range, for instance, Michael Pittman's range, uh, things of that nature, because these guys are going to get steamed heavily. You can literally like you can every week with FanDuel, essentially on DraftKings, I can already tell you, you can do whatever the hell you want. Literally, just make your own lineup, you make your fantasy lineup, because it, in terms of like what you can actually fit, doesn't matter at all. You can fit everybody. Yeah, uh, the, the the two big things that happen with the, the thing that is bad about salaries coming out this early is that one, there's there's camp battles right so we're going to get starters that are priced as, as backups so that's going to lead to like basic free scores and then injuries are going to happen um so you're going to get surprise starters fr from that as well so you're going to you almost always get a couple free squares in week one and, and it leads to kind of a a free for all i've i've said for the past couple of years i don't think they'll ever do this just because they want money locked up as little as possible i think it would be fun if one of the sites did a tournament where like salary uh lineups lock like before the hall of fame game so salaries come mm. out last week you got to make lineups right now and then they like that would be obviously they don't want to like lock up money for a month best ball yeah 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 play. but yeah. uh but but they, they won't do it but maybe uh you know if you guys need um if a new startup site needs a a, a guy for um so, for some research and development some ideas holler at your boy i like the uh, idea <laughs> yeah let's let's uh talk about uh quarterbacks real quick uh who jumped up at you at quarterback on your first look it's actually daniel jones at the stone minimum, well, not stone minimum, but 5K essentially. Uh, even like the next closest player in his range, Tyler Huntley, is also 5,000. A backup quarterback is the same price as Daniel Jones. I wrote this in my Giants team preview, but I will be trying, I know for a fact, to get ahead of it in week one. I can already tell you Daniel Jones will probably be in every single cash game article in week one. I can already see it playing out since not just looking at what Brian Dable brings to the Giants, but let's start with the defensive side of the ball and that losing pro bowler, James Bradbury, and their secondary, also safety Logan Ryan. Like that literally vacates 31 combined starts and 150 tackles for this secondary that can easily be argued as the worst in the entire league. That's amazing for the Giants passing attack all year long. Why I believe Daniel Jones in season long will actually be a top 15 quarterback. But more importantly, with no tight ends to 
be afraid of. Like they don't have competitive NFL tight ends. Also, Brian Dable, of course, last year with the Bills, schemed the fewest sets of multi-tight end packages. Like we're expecting them to go four and five deep at wide receiver with Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton rounding out the other three. Wondell Robinson, of course, in camp, starting in three wide sets. So I expect them to be a totally different offense. I expect them to have to be passing a lot because their defense is so bad, and I think it starts here in week one. So I'm actually going to get ahead on Daniel Jones and Giants offense. Reminder also, Josh Allen's last seven starts last year when he averaged an increased seven uh, it increased 9.7 carries per game. Like 70% of those carries were design runs. They weren't scrambles because yeah, Dable yeah. knew what it took to like actually move the chains and move the offense when defenses play more too high safety. Like I think we're going to see Daniel Jones schemed a lot to run the ball. And so we have a high floor from week one at cheap. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. And First of all, you glossed over it super quick. Uh, if you guys were listening, he's, he mentioned his team previews there. Those things are, are bangers right now on the site. Team previews up for going up for every single team. I think you're through, what, 18 or 19 teams right now? Uh, so, and yeah. more importantly, they're also like, this is what's slowing them down. They're getting updated because we're getting so many injuries right <laughs> yeah, now. Dude. So like, literally oh, the man, Tim Patrick pulling, injury, out, pulling out for Tim Patrick. That's my Yeah, guy. that sucks. But the Tim Patrick injury, the James Washington injury, like all of these things are already updated in the team preview. Click on the link of the site. And then there's actually like lettering and bold red that tells you when the last date is I updated it. So they're all there for everyone. Yeah, and one thing you mentioned about um, getting out ahead of the Giants, going back to my initial question, one thing that I do like to do in week one and early in the season and where I do think guys like us can have an advantage that have been drafting since you know the NFL draft, we've been drafting teams, we get like a really good read on who we think breakout players are going to be. So whether it be a rookie or a team, um, we can get these guys on the cheat because we've been doing our homework all year, right? We're not preparing a couple days before week one. We've been preparing since uh, since the Super Bowl ended uh, so we, we have guys that we think can really pop and uh, if they haven't yet obviously they're going to be uh, cheaper on DFS sites uh, the, the a player that popped to me is Derek Carr there's only we, we already have uh, lines up for games on, on DraftKings or on any sports book that, that you uh, bet on. So right now there's two games with over-unders above 50. One of those is the uh, Raiders and the Chargers. All of the quarterbacks in those games are priced up except for Derek Carr. Derek Carr is um, one of three quarterbacks on a team with a 24-point uh, or higher implied point total that's priced under 6K. So if you're just looking to attack that game, I think that's going to be a fun one to attack. I mean, we want the rushing on... on um, these sites, obviously, it's it's very, very important. But since you do get the 300-yard bonus, uh, rushing is negated a little bit on DraftKings compared to FanDuel, especially in tournaments. Like, you're looking for those 300-yard, four-touchdown games. So that looks like it could be a shootout as long as everybody stays healthy through camp. So uh, Derek Hart, sub-K, is going to be a, a nice one for me there, I think. It'll be interesting given that he's only, quote-unquote, only 900 more than Daniel Jones, who offers a rushing floor. Derek Carr has only has only averaged one point per game extra rushing uh, it, since he underwent fibula surgery in 2017. So we have, like, a long resume that says he does not run the ball, thus his floor yeah. is limited. So it's just I think it'll actually be a great pivot point from Daniel Jones, knowing yeah. that that's how probably everyone will play it, to squeeze other expensive players in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and actually, it's funny because I just talked about like us looking at teams all year and stuff. And it, it, Raiders are one of the teams I've kind of been out on on best ball just because like I think they're they're just priced super weird. I just don't like it. Um, but but I like that uh, I like that Derek Carr in week one. As of now, um, running backs. Who who you got? A, you got a, a guy that we've been talking about a lot this offseason. 
And staying with the theme to warm my own brain up one month out of having to do this every single day of my life, yeah. uh, I know the person you'll talk about is going to be the heaviest rostered running back in DFS week one because yeah. – as you were going to argue, I haven't even seen your notes yet. I know for a fact you're going to argue he's too cheap. Uh, having said that, that person at 8,500 is so cheap, we can scroll down slightly and instead play Alvin Kamara at 7,600 because even though when Mark Ingram was traded for mid-year, Ingram or Kamara averaged a lower share of backfield touches, he still handled a career high in touches per game. And he gets a very poor Falcons defense in week one. I think the Saints offense is going to be really fun this year. Uh, I, I aken them to Miami and that I don't know what's going to happen and they're very volatile. But remember, like the Jameis Winston we saw in his last two starts prior to injury that was allowed to throw 36 times per game and had the fourth highest rate of throws, 20 plus yards downfield, was completely different than the one that was actually 24th in deep throws the month leading up to those last two starts. And so like, I think with Sean Payton no longer there, the lid is just going to be like taken off the jar and be, and they're just going to tell Winston to be himself. Like, yes, lead the league in turnovers, but we need you also to lead the league in passing yards because we need juice in this offense that gave you multiple deep threats this off season. So yeah, I think Kamara is going to be a, an amazing pivot play in week one. Yeah. I, I, I like that. Um, I, I like the, I just like the saints a lot. Um, just yeah. going into the season and and in week one, I, I think. And Paulson's but, projections uh, are also very high on Winston too. Yeah, I, I like that call a lot. Um, you mentioned the guy I'm going to talk about priced up at 8500 Christian McCaffrey, uh, and this is like it, it's it's kind of hard to we know when players are 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 grossly mispriced. It's hard to kind of dig through like very nuanced pricing and, and decide if they're underpriced or overpriced. What we do know about Christian McCaffrey is when he is right, he's a 9,500, 10K player on DraftKings. So if Christian McCaffrey is right, if he's a Christian McCaffrey that's getting 10 targets and, and, and 15 rushes and giving you 27 points, he is underpriced, right? So on a player like that, I'm going to take the bet that like I'm, I'm not predicting injuries. He's CMC going into week one. There's a chance that this is the cheapest you're going to get him all season. I have a very strong feeling that when John Paulson does release week one projections that he will be at the top of our value report on four for four just because I, I know how we're going to project him. And I know that that salary has climbed really above 10K before on DraftKings, so i'm excited about that play a lot um he, he like you said he'll probably be one of if not the most popular player on the slate but it's going to be really easy to get him because as you mentioned earlier someone's going to get hurt in training camp we're going to have these free squares uh so uh cmc we're going to get to play him at sub 9k and we don't ever get to do that uh I wide receiver it, no go ahead i would say i compare it to last year the first eight weeks how i was mm -hmm. a losing player because I was still learning how to handle Cooper Cup and salaries. Uh, I, I just I did not become a winning player literally until the second half of the season and understanding what was happening in the new the new evolved game of DFS. And yeah. Christian McCaffrey, as you said, like Cooper Cup until he became 10K. Until Christian McCaffrey becomes 10K, you literally play him every single week. Simply put, he's played eight full games under Matt Rule the past two years. And in those eight games, he's averaged 17 and a half carries, seven targets, a 20% target share, and handled 85% of Carolina's running back touches inside the 10-yard line. Lock him in every single week. Yeah, I love that a lot. Uh, we, we talked uh, for a second about guys that going into the to season that we're just really excited about that we think could break out. And this isn't a breakout player, your, your wide receiver, but it is a player that like we think can be like 
like a top four or five wide receiver maybe if things break right for him. So what wide receiver do you think is crazy underpriced in week one? What I love about Michael Pittman is that we've seen the ceiling. When Carson Wentz was a serviceable NFL quarterback through week nine last year, Michael Pittman averaged an increase 9.2 yards per target, scored five touchdowns and averaged 21 fantasy points per game, and was the wide receiver seven overall in fantasy through week nine. We forget that because when Carson Wentz went back to being a third-string quarterback in the league to close the year from week 10 on, Pittman only scored once averaged merely 11.2 fantasy points per game and was the wide receiver 30 from that point forward in the second half of the year. So we've seen he has a ceiling but confident quarterback play, and now we get veteran Matt Ryan playing behind the best offensive line of his career. Remember last year, the Falcons actually allowed a league high in pressure rate. Now we get Ryan behind the Colts' offensive line. All these scores ne- don't necessarily have to go to Jonathan Taylor again. Like he doesn't necessarily have to lead the league in carries inside the 5, 10, and 20. Like we now with a competent quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over, we can lean on Matt Ryan and more importantly, wide receiver one, Michael Pittman. So if you look at my best ball tiers, I have Michael Pittman as the wide receiver 10 overall. And I think 5,500 is far too cheap for a player that in a couple of weeks we could probably argue will be over 7K. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Again, we're, I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but uh, assuming everything stays uh, the same as we have it now and there's no injuries, as of now, the Colts are the biggest favorite in Week 1. They're favored by 8. Jonathan Taylor, along with Christian McCaffrey, people are going to be trying to get JT into their lineups because they're just in an absolute smash spot. So if we're thinking ahead to tournament theory and kind of getting our brains back to that um, mindset, then... Pittman's probably going to end up being a fantastic uh, uh, leverage play off of JT going into week one. I, I just wrote down the Chiefs wide receivers. Uh, we we are going into the season. We don't know what that target totem pole is going to look like. I, I think it should be Juju Smith-Schuster, who is the wide receiver one. Obviously, Travis Kelsey is the favorite to be the leader in targets on that team, but they have a four-player wide receiver core that is very, very ambiguous, and the reason I bring them up for this conversation is because if you can figure out who is going to be the one that hits, that could be the very big moneymaker in week one, and it's not going to uh, be very difficult for you to take that gamble because Juju Smith-Schuster is only priced at 5200 he's the most expensive chief wide receiver you go all the way down to sky Moore at 3800 so we got four wide receivers who uh could possibly lead the their wide receiving core um in targets tied to the best quarterback in the league all with super affordable salaries so i'm going to be paying very very close attention to the chiefs for week one trying to figure out how can i get a piece of this chief offense on the cheap in week one That's the way I've sort of been looking at the Giants receivers too. But to your point, the Chiefs wideouts, it's going to be a great opportunity to just play one, if not two, Mm -hmm. of the least rostered ones, knowing we don't know the situation. And again, preseason usage, camp notes, they may shine the light over the next month of the season, showing us that actually Juju is going to be an every-down player, etc. But if we enter, it would still... An ambiguous situation, yes. We just take advantage of the lower rostered individuals and try to get a piece of the Chiefs offense. And on the flip side, if we get some really strong indicators in preseason, like just for example, say it is Juju, and then we're getting, for whatever reason, uh, when ownership projects come out, we think we are very confident he's going to be the the leader in targets and we're getting like a 10% juju, then you could just smash that too, right? If you're not getting some one of them that's crazy high rostered. So that just that situation is going to offer a ton of opportunity. Probably unless one just like blows the field away in terms of his teammates, probably all season that's going to be a really fruitful situation. 
My biggest win last year was when I took down the FanDuel. Oh, gosh, which one was it? I don't know. One of the ones I played. It's the the mid to high stakes single entries. And um, it was the Packers-Ravens game, if you recall, when Tyler Huntley came in late. Or Tyler Huntley got the start. But it's my favorite. I mention it only because it's my favorite correlation. And I had Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, both high rostered. Uh, Devontae Adams, like 40%, Aaron Rodgers, 20%. But then you tack on literally 1% Marquez Valdez-Scantling because you know you need a mm-hmm. double stack. Yep. So you add that extra ancillary player that goes overlooked. That's kind of what we can probably do with the Chiefs in week one if we remember this in our mental notes a month from now is to yeah. play Juju and Mahomes. Then also, like if Sky Moore is supposedly on the bench, you take 1% Sky Moore over 13% Marquez Valdez-Scantling for the volatility every single time. Yeah, I, I love those plays. I'm excited, man. I'm so excited to get this thing started. Yeah, right. actually, you know, I, I came in fretting talking about this, and now like I'm already excited again for the game uh, theory of it all. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this play uh, at tight end, someone that stood out to you because he's going to be playing with a backup quarterback. So uh, holler at me about this guy. So for my tight end, I go looking for cheap. Let's start there. And. Yep. I have David and Joku written down because like his ADP right now, like how people are, in my opinion, incorrectly treating him as tight end 16, tight end 17, as opposed to a low end tight end one who could actually break out. Like we're taking Irv Smith, who, who is now injured, but also like coming off a serious injury last year, whenever there's literally a 26 year old breakout explosive tight end waiting to potentially happen. But in week one, for me, it just comes down to the scheme for uh, for Kevin Stefanski and the fact that he's actually targeted his tight ends at top four rates the past two seasons. The Jacoby Brissett was a top five quarterback in his starts targeting tight ends as well. And so although I don't like to carry the play calling over, Brissett played in a different scheme, I understand that last year. Uh, we also know Brissett is a check down machine. Like he averaged 5.6 yards per attempt, even from a clean pocket. And the guy underneath will definitely be David Njoku. And we know he has the explosiveness to get upfield. No one's going to believe in it. No one's going to want to play him, despite being like one of the most explosive tight ends who could literally win the slate himself if everything goes right on seven to 10 targets. And so, like, the fact that no one's going to be on him, even as I talk about it, I know no one's going to be on him. That's kind of what I want to get ahead of, honestly. Uh, it's actually funny you brought up Joku because um, when we're as we we're pre- prepping for the show, I was just kind of playing around with like I looked at CMC and I was like, oh, they're playing the Browns. Like, and, and I, I thought about Deshaun Watson um, being suspended. I was like, oh, I wonder if they mispriced Brissett. But Brissett's actually priced uh, above of uh, uh, higher than Daniel Jones. So it's like again going back to your Daniel Jones. Like they have backup quarterbacks priced higher than Daniel Jones on DraftKings right crazy. now. So that's it's, yeah, yeah, that's why. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, also, also very quickly, like everyone's gonna look at Njoku's box scores from last year and notice like. Basically, when Baker Mayfield got injured from week six on, David Njoku doesn't go over 40 yards in any game again. Also, you could argue, though, it's because Baker Mayfield got injured because until that point in like the games he performed best was week one when he had 75 yards and week five when he had 140 and touchdown. And those were of course, when Baker Mayfield was healthy. So like even a healthy quarterback, as long as he's feeding them targets, I do think Njoku can perform well. 
Yeah, and we're super high on Joku in, in general at 4 for 4 JP um, has been very bullish on him all season, and it's a player that I need to start drafting more. But, uh, the, yeah, that, that uh, sub-4K tight end is always something I'm looking to find on DraftKings. This guy isn't sub-4K, but he's very reasonably priced. Zach Ertz, uh, Cardinals are playing the Chiefs. I was talking about the Chiefs wide receiver core. Uh, pro- if people want to pay up at tight end on DraftKings, Kelsey's probably going to be pretty popular just because that game is projected to go over 50 points. The spread in the game is only three. The Cardinals are coming into the season with DeAndre Hopkins uh, suspended with a, a new number one run receiver in, um, in Hopkins place for now in Marquise Brown. So Ertz is a guy that is going to come in, probably going to project very, very well in terms of target volume, at least for week one and at least for those first six weeks. And you're going to be able to pivot off of Kelsey to get to Ertz. You're going to be able to stack him with Kyle Murray if you want. So the sub 4,500 price tag in that game, I think is going to be really intriguing for Ertz. Reminder that Ertz ran a route on 84% of Cardinals dropbacks had a 20.5% target share, 8.5 targets per game, and his eight starts he made without Hopkins last year, compared to just a 14% target share and route on 70% of dropbacks and 4.5 targets per game with Hopkins. Immense, immense dip in opportunity. And I understand they added Marquise Brown, but we can very easily argue as well that Marquise Brown does not overlap with Ertz in the slightest. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. I, Ertz is, is weird because like I'm, I'm super trepidatious about him in, in best ball because I feel like when Newt comes back, it, it could get pretty ugly. Um, but, uh, but week one in that game, I'm all over it. Agree, uh, and I, I'm okay because of that reason. I'm also been drafting Ertz with some tight end three builds because even if like the tight end three is Taysom yeah, Hill, sense. even though I have yeah. some Taysom Hill's tight end two builds as well, uh, because you don't really. Like the range Ertz is going, it's not like he's being overdrafted. Like he he falls off a cliff. Everyone waits on Hawkinson, we know. Then everyone waits on Goddard, we know. And then Ertz goes like after, and then you have a choice to get Alberto or Njoku after that, much later after that. I'm glad you brought up Taysom Hill. DraftKings, get it together and make Taysom Hill a tight end. They still have him listed as a quarterback, and it's annoying. He's even a tight end on sleeper. It's annoying. And I drafted him on accident in, in a best ball the other day uh, on DK because I didn't no even realize it. And, oh, my God. No, oh, I mean, no, because he's a quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. I, I was drafting him as, yeah, so fix it, DK. Come on. I like you guys. Um, defense, I mean, Washington is favored by four in their 2,500. Like the, I, I'm just looking at the cheapest favorite every single week in the, or, or um, even like a, a cheap, uh, small underdog. I, I don't even need to say anything else. They're favored by four. This, is, there's this is when I drew the line on you and didn't. Write <laughs> yeah. You don't down. got, I don't, I don't um, care. You don't got to write. But, but I will <laughs> some quick theory though. Just remember that everyone goes to the bottom and clicks the bottom. So like yeah. even like our, our good friend, Jonathan Bells, one of the early days of DFS, even he said he would do was, you know, now we've gotten a little bit sharper about pricing for defenses. So you can't just do this, but literally it is better given the volatility of defense to blind click, the price, whatever defense is priced, literally a hundred more than the lowest price defense, because it's going to come in 20% less rostered. And that advantage in ownership is so much better than actually playing the 30% over roster defense. Anyway. Oh yeah. Don't, if you're playing chalk defense, you're drawing I, damn near. I also think last year we noticed it became an advantage to leave some left over for defense because no one pays up for defense anymore. And we may be at the height 
of good quarterback play, top-heavy quarterback play, but we also may be at the height of the worst quarterbacks we've ever seen in the league, honestly. And so, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. whenever Ian Book plays Monday night, like, you have to start that defense. Uh, whenever Jacoby Brett Brissett starts, you know, sometimes, if it's a strong defense, you have to start him. Like, that's kind of the way it worked out. So, like, honestly, you may be better off strategically also paying up for defense this year. Just keep in mind. Yeah, and this is less prevalent on DraftKings, but stack your defense too. Like player defense with a running back, Absolutely. even play even player defense just like a random um, skill position player. Just because like if a game if a game is a blowout, if they get crazy good game script, the defense probably has a really good game, right? Even if the like all the scoring comes on the offensive side, the defense is probably putting them in a really good position. So like defense and any offensive players is super underrated stack that people just don't use enough. Um, one thing that I thought would be fun to do again, we're just kind of as our first look, just going through the games. I, I didn't see DraftKings didn't post anything like crazy in terms of um, any new contests or different contests from last year. There are three different ways to win a million dollars in week one. There's three different millionaire contests. I think it's a, a $5, $100, and then a $4,444. Uh, maybe we should um, all play that for the 4 for 4 branding and try to win it. Um, but they do have 13 contests with a prize pool of at least 250000 So... NFL's king, the contest offering at DK is always crazy, at least in terms of the volume of contests. Um, before we just get into any contest that stood out to you, just DK specifically, what tournaments do you, or just games, it doesn't even have to be tournaments, do you typically attack and how do you kind of formulate your DraftKings specific game selection process? I would just remind everyone to know what you want to do. Like there, there is nothing wrong. There is no stature or bankroll shaming. Like literally just know, do you want to play three dollars or one dollar even and go for gold go for broke and try to win like a five thousand uh fifty thousand dollar prize pool or would you prefer to play that one dollar in like a two hundred dollar tournament and come away with whatever it might be three hundred to five hundred bucks so that's still winning and so like as long as you understand what you want to do then that will definitely make you a better player because those lineups will look completely different uh the same lineups i play and like you know, Wildcat, the 333, 150 max, or even like my one of my favorites became the $750 single entry. Uh, I think there, there are only like 250 people in it, but like that's that's great stakes for 200 people single entry. I play single entry, of course. I've said this on past shows, but again, just in case people are catching up, I, I like to make decisions of single entry, uh, especially mid to high stakes because more mistakes are allowed. So that all, is already good. Whereas the Millie Maker, you know, you have to be literally perfect. If a player scores two touchdowns or even one touchdown, it's a rookie. You have to randomly be on that player. Um, but I like to make the decisions single entry because human beings suck at making decisions. People are so scared in life to make decisions, even about their own life, even if it means they get to better their life. And I take that into DFS and I say, okay, like if you can't make decisions, then I actually love making them. And I bet I can make better decisions than you in this tournament. And so that's the way I play. Uh, and again, those actually still pay out big as well. So it just depends what you want to do. Just know that because again, it'll lead you to completely different lineups and not having to actually go so low owned or so contrarian. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned understanding what you want to get out of DFS and going back to what I mentioned earlier, we have the strategy hub on four for four and there is a whole series of articles that I have on there on game selection and bankroll management. I, I think it's three different articles. I can't remember. I wrote it like two or three years ago. And I mean, the first article doesn't even talk about selecting games. It just talks about laying out your goals. Like, what do you want to get out of this game? Because if you don't know that you're going to go into the DraftKings lobby, you're going to see these big prize points. You're just going to start entering games, right? You're like, Oh, I have 
hundred bucks. I don't know what to play. So you got to go through these. You, you really, if you want to be a winning DFS player, I think selecting and not even like the most profitable games. Obviously, there's lots of ways to do that. We'll probably have a whole podcast on that at some point. Um, but just smartly picking the games based on what you want to get out of DFS. And I'm like you. I try the my uh, I, I try play not not like nosebleed stakes but higher like mid to high stakes the smallest field possible so i do give up in terms of um uh the game structure the uh like flat flat um payout structures since i'm choosing to look for smaller fields like i just don't have the the options in terms of somebody that is like playing the five dollar level like you can choose a flat payout structure you can choose an upside I'm looking for smallest fields possible, like small field with with um, with, with some upside. So, like you said, those uh, those single entry 500, those single entry. I think there's a 777 um, for week one. That's a, a really good structure. So those are the type of things I'm, radar, I'm looking at. Yeah, but uh, but for the average player, like there's a lot of really good games. Um, like, cut me off if there's any other games you want to throw in here. But I'll just like at, at every different price point. Uh, there's a couple games I highlighted where like they are flat pass structures, so you can just take your one dollar and throw it into the um, like whatever it is the the daily dollar um, or or like one of those huge. What's another really big one that they have at, at the um, small stakes? Like trying to turn one dollar into fifty thousand dollars, you're basically playing the millionaire, right? You need to beat two hundred thousand people. But if you want like good structures, you could find them. So. The Pylon is a $3 single entry game. Less than 4,000 people. It's only $1,000 to first, but it pays out 26% of the field. It's super flat payout structure. If you're a little higher in stakes, the Fair Catch is a $12 single entry. Less than 2,500 um, entrants, you can turn your $12 into $2,500. You don't have to beat 50,000 uh, entries. The Blind Side is a $27 tournament. That's a $100,000 prize pool. You can turn your $27,000 into 10 k This is a really good mix of upside and a good structure. Um, it is 4,300 uh, 4, entries, which is pretty pretty big for my taste, but the structure is very flat. And then if you're like looking for that mix of upside and uh, like flat-ish payout structures, the 75 and the $100 um, buy-in range is amazing. We have a, a three max. It's called the goal line with 600 entries at the $75 buy-in. The end zone is a single entry with the $75 buy-in. Hot route is a $100 buy-in. 13 max, only 444 entries. Again, we have to win that tournament for the branding. Um, and all of those first places are $4,000 or higher. So those are really good. Um, uh, if you're like in that mid-stakes range and you're looking for something smallish with some upside, those contests are amazing. Compare that just just for to play devil's advocate here. Like I know a lot of people, and I, I do think the the slant. Like if you're if you ask to play the play action, the three dollar two hundred thousand person entry, like because that's what a lot of people love playing for that big payout. I would I would tell you, and you know you have to decide this. Maybe skip out on Starbucks, do whatever you got to do. But I would say skip the three dollar play action, go to the nine dollar slant. Um, because that only has 39,000 entries compared to 200,000. And still it's like 29% goes to the top 10. It's 2X men cash. And so like even bubbling, you'll still double up. Uh, I think that's like the better recreational tournament to play as opposed to the, the $3 one. Yeah, that, that yeah, that's a really good point. Like, why why fire that money at at the worst structure? Like, and I think this a lot one of bullet in this, in my opinion, is better than similar three bullets and the cheapest one. So I would just keep an eye on those type of things as well. 
And I, it's at the $9 level, you're not getting, you're getting a slight break on it actually. But another reason that I encourage people to go higher stakes, smaller field is oftentimes you're moving up to a rake discount as well. This one, it goes from 16 oh, to yeah. 15%, which you're probably not noticing in the short run, but like money saved is money earned, right? So that I think that is still important. Completely agree. All right. Um, that was our first quick look again. Like don't, don't hold us to these takes in, in four weeks, but it's fun to look at it. Uh, hopefully Fandle pricing will be dropping soon. Again, we'll be coming out every single week with uh, a podcast in the preseason. Uh, th these will get more theory based as we get closer to the season, but we just wanted to get you guys excited about DFS, get you guys looking at, at the salaries, um, excited for uh, the, the DF, everything going on in the DFS world at 4 for 4. We got the Hall of Fame game on Thursday if you're watching this live or you're listening to it as soon as it comes out um, on Wednesday. So you, we, we're going to have uh, uh, we're gonna have preseason action. We got Tim Talmadge on the article for the preseason game and Tim and Pat uh, James who have been doing preseason for us for multiple years will be in the discord uh, leading up to kickoff I'm sure Daigle and I will be in the discord as well so we got DFS action uh, this week uh, please rate and review the podcast if you're listening to this on whatever podcast provider you are listening to if you're watching on youtube please like and subscribe to the youtube channel it helps out a ton uh, make sure you're checking us out on twitter Daigle is at not Jay Daigle. I'm at TJ Hernandez. Always check out 444 at 444 Football. Talk to you guys next week.